0: Listener Production. Hi, I'm Helen McCabe, founder of Future Women, a club helping women to connect, learn and lead. Over my career, I've run teams inside newspapers, edited a magazine and launched my own business. This has meant building a team from scratch, leading through difficult times and managing the odd crisis. I've never had any leadership training because I thought you were either good at leading or you weren't. I thought being decisive was a key metric for success. I was wrong, and it led me to make simple but avoidable mistakes. In this series, I'm doing what I should have done years ago, reaching out to people who I admire, who have also successfully run teams across all types of industries. So I can ask their advice on some of the common leadership challenges. We've all heard variations on the idea that a successful woman in an organisation is really good at marketing herself. In some cases, the implication can be quite damaging. On one level, it says she's not as good at the job as she is at marketing herself. On another level, it's a very useful skill for her, her team, and her organisation. My next guest is a marketer who has worked with clients including Unilever, Telstra, and Qantas. Today, Terry Martin is the General Manager of The Marketing Room, a marketing consultancy, and she's also a board member of ADHD Australia. I wanted to talk to Terry about when and how to market yourself and what to do about the naysayers. Terry Martin, welcome to the Future Women Leadership Series. I want to start by asking you a question about yourself. Are you good at marketing, Terry Martin?
1: I think that's a great question. I think I'm definitely much better than I used to be. So I think that with perhaps age, experience, And confidence I've definitely gotten to be much better at marketing myself than I ever was before so I guess the answer is yes do you feel more comfortable marketing yourself now than you did when you were younger yes 100% I think because I know why I need to do it I know that it provides a benefit to my career to my business and to my other areas that I work in, which is my board position on ADHD Australia. So I understand there's a benefit to it. I also understand that if it's done in the right way, it provides a benefit to others as well. So I can help connect with people and allow them to see themselves in me perhaps and go, oh, I can relate to that woman. I could be like her, So, I've seen it beyond just talking about myself and actually about connection and support and helping business, basically, and helping myself.
0: It is such a fraught area. And I know many of the audience listening to this will be really fascinated by your insights because it constantly comes up in a workplace. You know, how do I market myself? Is it okay to market myself? And at what point in your career can you do it? We'll explore all that. But, We all know people who are naturally good at marketing themselves. What skills do you think they possess that others don't?
1: I do think there's got to be an element of confidence, but I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about ego, which we often attribute to men who talk about themselves and market themselves. I think it's a confidence that comes with being comfortable with telling people about what you've done or what you've achieved or how you've succeeded or what you're doing. And that's, I think, where everyone really struggles. And you have to know that you, you don't have to be the best at what you're doing. You just have to let people know about it. I, I remember someone saying to me early in my career, no one is going to talk you up like you are. Your bosses aren't going to do it. Your colleagues aren't going to do it. Your friends aren't going to do it. So if you really want to push yourself forward, you're the only one responsible for it that really opened my eyes to it. And I thought, oh, it's going to have to be me then. So I think when you realise that you're responsible for your career, you're responsible for people understanding, you know, what you've done and what you're doing and your achievements, then you kind of have to put your big girl pants on and and actually kind of do it, whether it's inside your organisation or outside your organisation.
0: I mean, you have to back up the whole story with ability. You can't well I, well, I mean, maybe you can go a certain way, being good at marketing yourself and, you know, forgetting about the actual work. Can you?
1: No, if, uh, you can. To a certain point, yeah? Uh, look, I think you can, but then I think people would start to question how valid it is. So that's probably why people do, tend to do it a little bit more when they're older, because they've they've had some rungs on the board, they've achieved certain things, So therefore they can say, hey, I'm saying it and look, here it is, I'm I'm actually doing it as well. You don't want someone who's just saying it and there's nothing to back it up. So I do think you have to be careful with that.
0: All comes back to confidence, which is something that I talk about repeatedly. Is there a difference between marketing yourself and marketing a product or a business?
1: (sighs) Yes and no. To properly market a product and a service, ultimately you try and solve a problem for your audience. Equally so, when you're marketing yourself, you're trying to make a connection with your audience and hopefully they can see something in you. I think people are more open to hearing about yourself and your stories and connecting with you versus just pushing a product and service all the time. So an example of that is, in in my business, we're a consultancy and we work with a lot of parents because we offer part-time roles where they can do marketing in businesses on a part-time basis. And I can go out and push that and push that message. But what I tend to find what gets more traction is when I talk about my own experience of really struggling with the juggle between being a marketeer and being a parent and how I really struggled when I went back to work. And when I tell my story about that, I have a lot of women come to me and go, I really... Loved your story. I really saw myself in it. you know I really connected with that, and then they they look at my business and say, "Oh, so you provide a solution for that. And so it's a really warm entry, I think, for people to receive a message that's much more personable and and uh, has much more connection to it. You know once upon a time, let's just talk about marketing. It used to be you know product attributes, this you know washing powder cleans whites, you know it, it's it's it it sparkling to your colours. And then they recognise that actually you need to make a connection so that brands stood out. So it's about, you know, how do you get that connection with people? And I think when you're marketing yourself, it's about how do I tell a story about myself and the things I've been through and the things I've overcome so that people can say, oh, if she can do it, I can too. Or, wow, she's just like me. I can see some sort of connection and, and why it is that I would want to be like her or to do the things that she's done. So It comes back to that human desire to connect, to understand, to see ourselves in others, so that we don't feel so alone. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm going deep.
0: No, that's good. Deep.
1: Deep. No, it's (laughs) good. In fact, in fact, I was going to ask you a really tricky question because
0: I've struggled with this in earlier parts of my career. So I was very much a behind-the-scenes newspaper editor, a deputy editor, night editor. No one knew me. I just did the work. And I became editor-in-chief of a very big magazine, which is Women's Weekly, and then did a lot of interviews. And a lot of people asked me my life story in that time. This is, you know, 20 years ago, something like that. Probably not that long ago. I always, I always over <laughs> egg <over-egged> my age. <laughs> um, don't know why I do that. But I really found it confronting to tell my story. Like I didn't even know what my story was. And then this sort of narrative rolls out and I was listening to a podcast on the weekend where a well-known mindset coach was saying, you've got to decide who you are. What is your story? And I, I thought that was quite an interesting point. So for anyone who's listening to this podcast, marketing yourself has got to start to some extent with who are you? Yeah. And Terry, if I ask you that question, who who are you? You're a single mum, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm a solo mum. Um, I'm a person who runs a business. I think that's a really, really hard question because I feel that you can also sometimes compartmentalise all the different things depending on who you're speaking to. So I could talk about my upbringing. My father committed suicide. I could be talking about that. I could be talking about the fact we moved a lot. There's a story in that about how that affected me in good ways as well as, you know, not so great ways. There's the story of me and my business, you know, how I've gotten to a point where I run businesses now. There's 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 so many levels and layers to people's stories. I think sometimes you have to actually decide which story's right at the right time, what people will resonate with and what's important to them.
0: Yeah, and there's a young woman who was New South Wales Woman of the Year and she runs an incredible charity, Annabelle Chauncey, and she tells the most amazing personal story about being a school kid going to Africa and deciding she's going to run her own charity and launch schools in Africa. It just absolutely captures everything she's trying to achieve and people just write her, you know, huge checks at the end of the story. And that's she's the, she's the entire marketer of that particular not-for-profit. So she's particularly powerful at it. So working on that narrative... How do you do that, do you think? And does that take time? Or can you just sit down and spend a weekend and figure it out?
1: Oh, look, I think it would take time because I think, I think it takes time telling your story and seeing what resonates with people as well because one story to me might be like yawn fest for somebody else, you know? And so I think you've got to kind of go, why am I telling this story? See, that's the other thing too, right? How many people, in brackets men, will tell their stories and think it's of so much incredible interest to everyone, and everyone's like, oh, I'm not interested in this. So I think you've got to work out what your story is, why you're telling it, and how it's going to help people. See, that's the thing. So the woman you were talking about, she's doing it because it actually helps her NFP. I tell different stories depending on what I'm trying to achieve. So, for example, if I'm trying to achieve, you know, find people to work with me in my business. I can obviously talk to the story around the juggle. The juggle is real of parenting and running a business and succeeding your career, even though you're a solo parent. You know, if I talk later about ADHD Australia, there's a reason why I'm connected to that. But, uh, you know, that conversation happens there. So I do think it just takes time. When you're telling people stories, it's more about the audience than it actually is about you. So you've got to know what they want and what they want to get out of it and what you're giving them. Sure, you can write something down, but Perhaps it's even just checking in with people. Hey, what does this sound like? You know, what does this feel? Are you getting something from this? Does this make you connect with me? I just don't think it happens overnight. Maybe some people who are really good at it, good storytellers naturally can, but I, I, I think a lot of people take practice.
0: Terry, what, if any, importance do you think we need to put on appearance? Because when I say marketing yourself, often people will go
1: to how I look. You know what, I didn't actually ever consider that when you talked about this subject matter. I didn't actually think about how anyone should look. I wanted it and I thought it's more about what you have done or what you've achieved or what you want to tell people that you're bringing to the world. So I never actually thought about. So it doesn't matter? No, and, and I, no, absolutely not. And in fact, I, I'm a bit blown away because I, lo- I was like, that just did not even enter my realm at all. It's about giving to people. It's about achieving something, doing something. Yeah, it's never about looks, no, no.
0: It's how you make people feel.
1: 100%. And isn't that weird, right? Because here he, we're saying we're, we're, we're pushing ourselves, but we're making other people feel something. That You've just actually tapped onto something really, really important there. If we we always think about what we're giving to people when we're telling them about ourselves. That's the key to success, I think.
0: Let's talk about marketing more generally. Imagine I'm a line manager, maybe a project manager on something or other. How important is it to me to have broader marketing skills as a leader?
1: I think it's integral. Of course, I would say that because I've worked in marketing my whole career, but I also run businesses. So, I understand the importance of finance and operations and HR and everything that makes up a business. But marketing is key to how you or your business is perceived. It's key to driving revenue. It's key to how you attain staff. It's key to how you retain customers. And in this world, there are just competitors for every single business. There's competitors for everything. And so I think an understanding of how you, your team or your your business stands out is just really, really important. And I get it, marketing is confusing. It can be very complex. Often people think marketing is just advertising when there's so much more to it. It's also democratised. Like anyone can set up a website, anyone can set up social media. But at the same time, it's really kind of can be quite complex in terms of data analysis. It's this strange thing, but I I can't, you know, I, I definitely think that you you should have skills around marketing and understanding what it is and un- understanding the benefit it can provide to, like I said, to a business, to a department, to a person. It's, it's really key.
0: Because it can seem to many people, as you say, deeply complex and completely foreign. It's just a concept that if you've not spent any time around it, you may overlook as a leadership skill. Do you have any advice to someone listening to this podcast today who says, oh, I don't think see myself as having any of those skills? where could I find them?
1: Yeah, so I like to break marketing right down to the most simplest form. It's literally about telling people about your product or service or your team or yourself in the hope that an action happens, whether they promote you or give you a pay rise or you get a new job or you your team gets a trophy or your product gets sold, whatever that is. And it's, it's just how, how do you get that message out there? You know, how do you let people know. Is it sending an email? Is it doing a presentation? Is it posting something on LinkedIn? It's just starting with how do I tell people about this thing, myself or, you know, the company? And it's also finding your audience. Like, who is your audience? So who's, who's the people I want to hear this message? And then find where they are. So people are everywhere. You know, they're reading things, they're listening to podcasts, they're on social media. You know, find where they are and, and, and place that message there. Marketing is just complex. I'm constantly finding I'm having to educate clients actually about what marketing is. I think there's so much misinformation. I break it right down. I think marketers look at me and go, oh God, why do you have to speak about it so basically? And I say, because people actually don't understand it. When we talk in marketing, we we all talk in this world that actually a lot of other people don't understand, even really successful business owners. And so I like to just make it as simple as possible. Because I think it's I think it's important because it c- provides so much value. Yeah it does get complex, doesn't it?
0: because I was th- as you were talking, I was thinking, well, I'm not selling toothpaste. I'm a project manager who needs to bring on a whole bunch of stakeholders and I'm leading a team. But marketing in that context is around telling the story inside your organization and I guess to your team to bring your team on along with the vision that you're trying to sell.
1: So that that to me is more about, is there a company newsletter that you can be part of? Is there an email you can send out? Is there a presentation you can do? And I think what's really interesting actually about that point is I was visualising that role. If you're not comfortable promoting yourself internally, the really great way to do it is to promote your team. So I'd love to celebrate my team because they've done XYZ is a really great way of saying, I actually lead that team but I will put the focus on them. I love that. I love when people do that because it actually takes the focus off them, but you know that they've been instrumental to actually making that happen. So it's a really nice way to deflect whilst at the same time putting yourself out there.
0: There's also great ways to um, raise the profile of your team by celebrating anything that happens in the lives of a team member, whether it be a baby or a, a wedding or a birthday, you can raise the profile of your team and therefore raise the profile of you as a leader and ultimately, the the work of your entire department. Let's talk about ADHD. I just think we're at a moment of time where everyone is starting to have a much greater understanding of what ADHD is in Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be on the board and your understanding of how this
1: issue has grown in the minds of Australians? Yeah, so I have two teenagers who both have ADHD. And at this point, I have to say that I actually got their permission to talk about them because I think that's important because it's their journey and their story. And, you know, it's challenging to work with your children to help them be diagnosed and then to understand how they can help themselves manage, I guess, the symptoms of ADHD and their lives, because it is far more complex than I think people realise. I met someone in my professional life who was already on the board, and she had lived experience. Her son had ADHD, and she invited me to come and volunteer. And then I was asked to become on the board. So that's that's how I got there. Is is that kind of lived experience? And then I felt a really great desire to make the world a better place for those with ADHD, so that you know my children could live in a world that's a better place.
0: Can you tell me what it's like to live with ADHD? And I imagine it's not the same for both of your children. It's quite a spectrum or variety in this case. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, there really is. So there are three types of ADHD. There's inattentive, there's hyperactive, and then there's combined. So both inattentive and hyperactive. And my my children are both inattentive, yet Present in vastly different ways. So on paper they have the same diagnosis, but living with it, they 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 show just very, very different signs. So with ADHD, it affects your executive functioning. So your executive functioning is around memory, it's about um, being organized, planning, all the things we take for granted in a day, like knowing that it takes an hour to get somewhere and that I need to get organised half an hour before and and do that, or I can't, you know, remembering that you've got this to do. And if you can imagine those being challenged with that means every single day can be a challenge. It can also be affected by how you take in information. So one of my children really struggles with taking information in when they hear it, can't recall it, can't retain it, which made school very difficult. And then the other thing too is it's, linked to a lack of dopamine, which means some of those with ADHD will seek out dopamine in other ways. So they have a higher chance of addiction, mental illness, you know, anything to try and kind of fill that void, I guess. It also can run concurrently with uh, anxiety, depression, lots of things like OCD, uh, eating disorders, so you're talking about a great deal of complexity. It's not just, see, so traditionally I think everyone thought it was the little boy in the classroom jumping around, causing havoc, and what we're seeing with especially, and it's wonderful, right, M. Rusciano, Mia Friedman, um, recently out saying, we have it, it's just amazing because what's happened is a lot of women when they were younger got totally, no one re- realised they had ADHD because often they were just inattentive, they weren't the hyperactive type. And what we're seeing now is a lot more adults, especially women, are recognising the symptoms and saying, actually, that's me. That's my whole life. My whole life I felt not quite normal, not quite right. I didn't quite fit into the school system. I didn't quite fit in here. And we're seeing this, you know, kind of wave of people being diagnosed now as adults too. And it's fascinating and it's complex and it's interesting. And the Thing with ADHD is there's also huge benefits. You have hyper-focus, so they can actually focus for hours if they love a task. So, you know, they can sit and just work on something to such a huge degree. They'll not go to the toilet. They'll not eat. You know, it's crazy. People think they can't focus, but they actually can. It's um, an inability to manage their focus. Creativity, often very, very creative people. Uh, really good at startups where they're throwing around and they're doing a million things at once, you know, that kind of chaos of startup life. A lot of CEOs and startups have actually got ADHD. And, you know, great at problem solving, so seeing things from different angles. And at ADHD Australia, you know, we, we work to drive awareness and we've actually got Awareness Month in October. And we're actually pointing our focus to adult ADHD this year and how employers can actually. I guess, help those with ADHD and capitalise on those strengths rather than focusing on the negatives.
0: You're making me feel like I should go and get diagnosed um, as a startup who uh, loves chaos. But in all seriousness, I have had just so many conversations in the space of the last couple of months, particularly around M's National Mm -hmm. Press Club speech. That was a moment for a number of people. And I can just see the awareness is just skyrocketing and a whole bunch of people starting to understand those three different types as well. And you're right, there was a lot of, I guess, stereotypes that we identified with the little boy in the classroom. Tell me, because this is about leading and about workplaces, what does that look like in the workplace if you have it as a leader? And secondly, if you are leading creatives who, you know, are probably tending that way?
1: Yeah, I think think if you're a leader you're probably going to be someone who's a little bit all over the shop, but incredibly creative in their thinking. And I think it's about recognising that those are really great strengths. And if you're a leader and you've got those, my suggestion would be you'd place people working with you who are more structured, who are more methodical, so they can fill those gaps, right? That's that's a good leader is is understanding your weaknesses and filling the gaps to meet those. If you've got people who are working for you you know, some people don't feel comfortable actually talking about their ADHD diagnosis. They're worried that it'll, you know, stifle their career. And that's why we're going out there and talking about it. It's because what we want to do is make people aware that it's actually not all doom and gloom. It's actually there are some just some great positives that can be brought to organisations. And if we focus on that, instead of trying to make everyone... know, like accountants where they're methodical and slow and process driven. ADHD, people with ADHD just aren't that. You can't actually make them that. So I think it's a really interesting thing to start to recognise that there are different types of people and they do bring different strengths. And maybe even asking your team member, you know, what are your strengths? You know, how can we help accommodate you? What things do you really struggle with? They might say, oh, I struggle with that meeting every morning where we go through the thing, you know, okay, well, can we take you out of that? Can we do something else? You know, it's about, I think it's, well, it's the, it's the way leadership is these days anyway, right, where you've actually got to accommodate each different individual person. We're not a one size fits all. And if you can be empathetic to the challenges they face, perhaps, you know, you could actually make a really wonderful role for them, which really allows them to thrive. And, and that's always good for business. You know, that's always good teams, and it's always going to be good for the leader as well.
0: I um, I do definitely work with many and um, have worked with many um, people with ADHD. So I know exactly what you mean. Incredibly talented, exciting people to be around who, you're right, would never want to be an accountant, um, no. which makes a bit of sense to me. <laughs> Terry Martin, fabulous to chat to you. Thank you for sharing your insights into your marketing world but also for the personal stuff around your family. Thank you very much. Thanks, Helen. Thank you. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Series producer is Holly Mitchell. And audio imaging by Nat Marshall.